Welcome back to the RCF podcast. I'm here once again with Charles Fields, the pastor of Line Baptist Church in Foster, Rhode Island. Welcome back. Great to be back, Matt. Thanks for having me again. We were talking last week about the topic of alcohol and how do we think biblically about it? How do we think about it in a way that honors God and is not going the way of the culture. We had some really good discussion last week. We talked about some of the warnings from Scripture, and let's continue that conversation. Absolutely. There's a lot more to be said. Another principle that is probably helpful to bring up in this case, uh, we talked about Romans 13 and the governing authorities, but what about Romans 14? Yes, Romans 14, verse 21. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. And this is kind of one we don't like because we kind of say, ah, well, you know, I'm just, it's not my fault if he has a problem with it, you know, but I look at it like this. You may have never even experienced firsthand the pain or the consequences that alcohol can cause in a life or in a family. And you might have grown up in an environment where it was always used properly. It was used in moderation and you don't think anything of it, but you could have a Christian brother or sister that grew up with alcoholic parents or they themselves have struggled with alcohol. Mm-hmm. And to where this is something that it violates their conscience. And even though you're doing it in good conscience, it is perhaps affecting them. And if I could just speak just briefly to personal experience, I grew up in a home with two parents that were functioning alcoholics. They got drunk every week, at least one or two times per week. They went to work every day and they, you know, they took care of the family the best they could, but it was just a part of our life. And I also saw many of the negative effects of not only in them, but also in family members. You know, every time we got together for any kind of party or holiday, it was uh, all the adults were always drunk. And, uh, and so I saw a negative effect of that. And even in my own life, when I was probably the age of many of you that are listening to this now, when I was in my early 20s, you know, around the age of 20 and right up to where turning 21, I began to drink for the first time in my life. And I actually told myself as a teenager that I would never drink, but I was in social settings and and I began to drink socially and I found myself from there getting drunk. Mm. And I'll be honest, I found myself getting drunk, having made many decisions that I regret to this day when I was in states of drunkenness. And so, and this is why I take this approach where I will never allow it to be part of my life or my family's life in any way, because I have seen up close and personal, even in my own life, the negative effects alcohol would have. Now, I don't, I don't want to come down so strong on that. If you can truly use it properly and use it in moderation and not have control over your life, then I think that it could be something that you can do. But I just strongly caution you. And certainly, if you are in the age where you're not of legal age and you're on a college campus, you should not be using it at all. Yeah. But if you are of legal age, then I think you need to approach it with caution and wisdom and prayer and ask yourself some real serious questions and do business with God regarding the use of alcohol. Yeah. I come from the opposite of your family. I come from a family that didn't drink alcohol, forbid that in in our house. And I look back on that and I'm grateful for it because I don't feel like I missed anything. You didn't. (laughs) (laughs) And so, but I've certainly seen the effects like we've talked about already. I've seen those effects on so many families and so many individuals where lives have been ruined by it. So that's why I caution it. And and so I go to a passage like Romans 14, and I don't even want to start partaking because I don't want to cause someone else to start. 
right. uh, even if I'm not tempted to get drunk. I don't want to set anybody down that road. Yeah, and that would be a fear for me because I don't know if it was something that I did occasionally and properly, which I don't, but if I were to do it and I wouldn't know if a brother had an issue with this mm-hmm. and to where this would maybe trigger something in him and yeah. lead him down a road that would uh, cause him to sin. Yeah. Against Christ. A lot of times you, you don't know what people are going through or what they have gone through. Yeah. And I think not causing someone to stumble is really a great consideration because we may assume that everybody's doing okay. Right. But we don't know what, what's happening behind the Absolutely. scenes. Absolutely. And, you know, I know, again, we don't like this because we don't want to be responsible for other people. And I, I know this doesn't really fit at all contextually, Matt, but I think of when uh, God came looking for Abel. And he asked Cain, you know, where's my brother? And what Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? Right. And the answer is we are. We are in this community of Christ. We are part of the kingdom. We are brothers and sisters for eternity. And we are to lift up and encourage one another and not cause other Christians to stumble. And yeah. that may take some self-sacrifice and some self-denial on our part. I also, you know, Matt, uh, this is, I think, a little more anecdotal and philosophical. But I feel like that alcohol use in Christendom, you know, certainly in these last 20 years, I feel like that the pendulum has maybe swung a little bit too far to allowing it to, well, this is okay. And again, where we're not saying that the the Bible completely forbids it, but I think one can make the case that it's not the wisest thing to drink. And I think we need to be mindful that just because we know so many other Christians that have it part of our lives, it doesn't mean that we need to have it part of our life. And I think the pendulum needs to swing back a little bit further to truly a place of more balance where we're not seeing this dominate the lives of Christians, that every party you go to with other Christian brothers and sisters, that there's alcohol present. It seems like that the way sin does, it slowly creeps in Mm -hmm. and where it starts off okay, and it slowly creeps into a point where it kind of takes over the environment. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. We see that in every aspect of life. What is that old saying that uh, some one of those old fiery evangelists, you know, sin will, it'll take you farther than you want to go and it'll keep you longer than you want to be kept or something to that effect. Mm -hmm. And and I think what we're trying to get across is that alcohol in your life poses a great danger. Mm-hmm. And I think that your life will truly be better without it. Uh, certainly at this time in your life where you're getting the foundation of your life and establishing much of the rest of your life. And you're in a time of scholarship and study as you're kind of determining what God's will uh, for a career and a direction is for the rest of your life. I just want to be a voice that will encourage you to say, you know what, it's okay for it not to be part of my life right now at this time. And in the future, I'm going to approach it with wisdom and scripture as my basis and wanting to honor and glorify God with my life. So that would be my advice to you during this time. Yeah, that's great. There's a couple of other things that I think we should address in regards to this. And one is the why. Why do I think I need this or why do I want this? Yeah. It becomes an issue of the heart, right? Yeah. So for many people, it may be, I want this because this is my escape. Yeah. I've got all this stress in life and I'm trying to escape. And we have to ask ourselves, am I running to alcohol as the answer? Yeah. And that could, again, go back to that right there would honestly eliminate that would say if that is what you're doing, if that's what you need to do to relax or to escape or to get through then really that is then become a coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. And the reality is our relationship with Christ should be our escape. Mm -hmm. He should be the one that we run to for strength, hope, 
comfort and encouragement. He should be the one that we run to to help us get through those difficult days and not run to something that really, if that's why we're going to it, Matt, then that is indication that we have made an idol out of that. And that is supplanting the Lordship of Christ in our lives. Yeah. Our temptation is to run to anything but Christ. Right. If we were to end those moments when we are broken down What if we ran to the scriptures? What a difference that makes, because if we run to alcohol or anything else, really, it kicks the can down the road. It doesn't solve the problem at all. Whereas if we run to Christ, he starts changing our heart. He helps us. Absolutely. He may not change our circumstance. He will change our perspective and our outlook on those circumstances. And hey, the Psalms is a great place to run to. I'm having a tough time. I'm, I'm going to read a couple extra Psalms and I'm going to meditate on those and I'm going to draw closer to Christ in worship uh, yeah. through those. Because the reality is you may feel like you have acquired an escape if that is your coping mechanism, but your problems are still going to be waiting. You haven't dealt with the root. Mm-hmm. You haven't dealt with what is really the issue. And it's just kind of putting a temporary Band-Aid on it, but you got to wake up the next morning and it's still going to be facing you right in the mirror. Yeah, exactly. Another aspect of that, why might we be partaking? Are we trying to fit in with other people? Yeah. And that goes back to, again, your worth and your mm. value and who you are. And, and are you feeling like you're having to engage in activity for some kind of a social status or to feel accepted? We need to grow to the place of spiritual maturity that we truly understand that we are secure in Christ, we are held by Christ, and that he is my identity. Mm -hmm. And I don't need to find identity and acceptance in any group or any person or any social setting that I am truly secure in Christ. It's not a self-confidence. It is a confidence in Christ. And that gives me the boldness to be an individual, Matt. Mm -hmm. That gives me the boldness to say, you know what? Hey, I know you guys are all going there. I know you're hanging out. But I don't need that. You know, if you want to be my friend and you want to socialize with me, here I am. This is my life. You know, sometimes Christians can get a very false label with somehow being weak or not being able to cope or needing a crutch. The reality is that, you know, having a relationship with Christ is the greatest security. It provides the greatest confidence and it really gives you the confidence to be different. And I think that there needs to be some young men and women that are Christians on the universities that need to be different, and their peers need to look and say, wow, you know what, they're different. What is it about them that they don't seem to care, to need to fit in? And there's something very attractive about that. There's something very different, something very mysterious. I think that you can have greater friendships and deeper friendships if you were to have that confidence and that you were not need to go along with kind of the herd partaking in this type of uh, behavior that can end up being very dangerous. And listen, you know, if you're on a college campus, you know what alcohol is doing. You know that the immorality that is taking place as judgments are lowered, the bad mistakes, the bad decisions making. I mean, in some cases, probably they're failing in school because of the party lifestyle. And so we don't need to tell you the dangers of it. You're seeing it firsthand play out on the college campus. If we aren't willing to stand up and if we think we have to cave, 
And we have to do what everybody else is doing. It's really the fear of man. Yes. What is the Bible says? The fear of man brings a snare. Another verse that came to mind was 1 Peter chapter 4. I mentioned the the list of things. Yes. uh, And drunkenness being one of those things. And in 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter says, Arm yourself with this way of thinking. Whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. So Mm -hmm. that's doing what God has called us. Verse 3 is, here's the list of sins, the things that are going on. And verse 4, here's what came to mind. He says, with respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them. Mm. Their, people will be surprised yeah. when you don't join them in the same flood of debauchery, yep. and they will malign you. Mm. And so, yes, I think we have to expect that as Christians. And we also have to understand that they are doing that because of their own insecurities, Mm-hmm. That they're running to this, they're engaging in it, and like, you know, who does this person think they are, you yeah. know, that they don't have to do this. So, yeah. absolutely, and so we should expect, listen, if you are going to take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ, not everyone's going to like you for it. Mm-hmm. But we're not doing it to be liked, we're doing it because Christ is the God of the universe, and he has called us to be a different kind of a person. And I just, there's no other way to live than a life that is just fully submitted to Christ. And so I think that you have to take into consideration exactly what Matt brought up is this, you know, why are you doing it? Is it to fit in socially? Is because, you know, you feel like you're insecure and you need friends. I think we need to examine our motives behind the why. God cares what our motives are. Charles, one other thing that we haven't addressed is the objection. They would say, well, there are several passages of Scripture that speak of wine in a positive sense. And I think we should note that strong drink is never spoken of positively. Right. A strong drink would only be for the purpose of getting drunk. Right. That's all, yeah. So strong drink is always condemned. And if I could yeah. just make the modern equivalent, when we talk, start talking about hard liquor, right? it has a higher alcohol concentration. Most people are drinking these stronger drinks for the purpose of getting drunk. Right. And when people go to John chapter 2, Jesus turned water yeah, into wine. That's the go-to. That's, that's the <laughs> answer. That's the default answer. But Jesus turned the water into wine. And that's true. He did turn the water into wine. But I submit to you regarding that, that Jesus did not turn the water into the wine that you buy on the grocery store or the liquor store shelf today. The reality is, is that wine would have been, I believe, substantially weaker than what it is now. And we're thinking, you know, one to three percent type fermentation, which would have been in line with the records they have of how the fermentation process looked thousands of years ago. There was even sanitation considerations at play is that a lot of the water in antiquity was tainted. They didn't have, they didn't understand microbiology the way that we do now. And (laughs) that's um, why Timothy was having so much. Exactly. You know, and Paul's like, dude, man, you're drinking all that contaminated water. Drink a little wine, Timothy, you know, and you're exactly right. The instruction he gave to Timothy. And so, yes, Jesus did turn the water into wine. I think that it's plausible that he turned it into some type of fermented Mm -hmm. beverage. But again, it was a much lower alcohol content, we believe. And again, this is to drink water could have been detrimental to your health. And so the fermentation process would kill bacteria and make it sanitized to to drink. And it's also, you could possibly, 
Some strongly disagree with this, but I think that you can also make the case that, you know, perhaps Jesus on occasion, you know, were, were to drink some of this lightly fermented beverage. So I think that the alcohol in antiquity, the purpose was generally different. So we're not comparing apples to apples here. Exactly. So, yeah, when when we look back at and consider was the alcohol content less than it is today? There's a lot of debate about that. There is. But I think it's helpful. One thing that I heard, and I found this helpful, is a professor that said, look at the writings of the early Christians, the early church fathers. They were actually closer to that time period and to that culture and those practices than we are. So it's it's much better source material than us looking back. Right. And one of those is Clement of Alexandria. He lived around 150 to 200 AD. So, I mean, we're talking... We're talking 75 years after the New Testament is completed or less. Right. So you read Clement of Alexandria actually wrote on alcohol and on its use... And he urged Christians to mix the wine with as much water as possible. Mm. That's what he said. And so, and this was a common practice for them to mix it. And so, again, much of what we have today is much stronger in its original form than. And at least in America, as a general default, we have potable water here in the States. And it's not an issue that uh, we're not drinking, you know, wine for the same purposes in many cases that they were in antiquity because we have clean water to drink. Now, we know that there's places in the world right now, of course, over a billion people in the world today do not have potable water that's accessible to them all the time. So that's a really important We not only have water, we have thousands of other things to drink, right? So I mean, I could go, I mean, we can get soda, I can get iced tea, I can get water, I can get flavored water. There's so many choices, so many other options. It's not even an issue for us, for the the industrialized nation. It's not even an issue. Why are we drinking this when we have other options? Absolutely. That's definitely something to consider. Absolutely. There's a lot of things to consider. We're not, I, I don't want you to come away from this and thinking, man, they're just trying to ruin all my fun. They're just, they're messing up my college life. We and... did an episode on, on fun too. <laughs> <laughs> but we just want you to approach this with wisdom. We want you to obey the law. We want you to recognize that this has the potential to cause great harm and really do irrevocable damage in your life and for your future. And the reality is the kingdom of darkness could use your acceptance of alcohol to kind of push the envelope in your life to where you end up in a place where you did not intend to be. And we don't want that for you. We want you to to gain that foundation now and to really serve Christ with your life in whatever capacity he's ordained for you to do. That's what it's about, glorifying God, obeying him. Charles, any last thoughts, anything that we haven't covered up until this point? This is one of these subjects that's almost inexhaustible. Uh, There's (laughs) hundreds of verses in the Bible You know, I think of Solomon mentioned uh, some things in Ecclesiastes, but even in Solomon's life, alcohol did not always have the best effect, and he wrote about that. It's interesting, Ecclesiastes, he's writing about, you know, some of the positive effects of alcohol, but then he was writing about some of the negative effects of it, and in in the Proverbs, he wrote of some of the negative effects of alcohol as well. So I think it's definitely in the realm of Christian liberty. But if you are under the category where it's illegal for you to do, Christian liberty doesn't even come into play. Um, But when you're 21 and you get to the point of Christian liberty, I just want to encourage you to approach the subject of alcohol in your life 
with prayer, with wisdom from the scriptures, and ask yourself truly, will your life give God glory, the most amount of glory, with alcohol being involved in your life? You know, the Christian's life should be all about Jesus, mm-hmm. and Jesus is Lord. If you were to reduce our faith to a place where it could not be reduced anymore, you would come up with these three words, Jesus is Lord. And will alcohol in my life allow that message to ring to its fullest effect that Jesus is Lord and uh, he placed us here to give him glory. And I just want to encourage you that you're not missing out on anything by choosing to abstain from alcohol. The reality is, especially in the age group that you are right now, I think that it'll be the most helpful and wise thing uh, for you to choose. That's a good word. I think we'll end it there. Charles, thanks for your time today. Thanks a lot. It was a blessing, and I I hope this is a blessing to some of the students. You've been listening to the RCF podcast. If you have questions about what you've heard, you can submit those questions to podcast at roadiefellowship.com. And if you'd like more information on RCF, you can visit our website, roadiefellowship.com, or on Instagram at roadiefellowship.com.